2: Joe, we are likely live. (laughs) <laughs> What's up, everybody? May 1st edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro. Give me a follow online at Showdown Joe, if you please can. Uh, obviously, my co-host, managing editor of Fightful MMA, Fightful Online, Fightful Everything, Sean Ross Sapp. You can give him a follow at Sean Ross Sapp. So much to discuss in the world of mixed martial arts. And let me tell you, I bet you there's some people that are shocked uh, after what happened on Saturday. Uh, I almost want to pull the clip of Sean and I talking about Fader Emelianenko taking on Frank Mir, uh, and what would happen early, uh, what I wanted to see, but what happened early is what we basically predicted. Um, We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, The whole Bellator 198 event, pretty much, was a pretty good event, if you ask me. Uh, Gerald Harris actually signed, but drops his first Bellator fight. He went from donut to getting submitted for the first time, but we'll talk about mm-hmm. that. Uh, Dylan Dennis, basically, he emerges victorious without, but got punched in the face about three, four times yeah. with some solid lefts. We'll get into that. Uh, we'll get our pros picks for mm-hmm. UFC 224, which goes down May 12th. Uh, Amanda Nunes defending her title against Raquel Pennington, Jacare, Gasolum, Belfort, Machida. We'll get some thoughts on that uh, as well, but we'll get a real preview of that uh, in a week or so after I come back from my disaster rising, which we'll talk about <laughs> in a second. Colby Covington uh, gets kind of punched in the face by charles bennett uh, at the camp soda legends mma event we'll talk about that which Our we david- covered we covered it i can't believe david tees covered that event but he did that's that's awesome. That is ridiculous. Art Davy, one of the originally one of the original founding fathers of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, is going to be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. I'll give you some stories about myself and Art and some other people around that. Uh, Double Shally loses his appeal. Uh, I'm not really surprised about that. But it's official as well. Nico Montana taking on uh, Valentina Shevchenko. That's a fight we're all going to be paying very close attention to because it can mean so much for Nico uh, as well as Shevchenko. But we'll get into that as well. Ronda Rousey speaking, being a gift. We'll have Sean Rossap uh, explain a bit more about that. UFC is finally returning to Calgary. I will give my thoughts onto why it's taken so long uh, and why it's official. Right now, Aldo, Jose, or Jose Aldo Jr. taking on. Uh, Stevens, Jeremy Stevens, Little Heathen is their co-main event. They haven't announced a headliner just yet, but the card's looking pretty good. Uh, have you seen the picture, ladies and gentlemen, of Tony Ferguson's knee? If you haven't, you may want to get on his social media or check out Fightful MMA because that thing looks Frankensteinish. We'll talk about that. Uh, Krokop and Roy Nelson is now a tournament alternate bout. I'll give you my theory on that as well as Sean's, uh, when we get to that topic. Uh, and Sean's boy. I have enough signs with the UFC. He's taking on Junior Dos Santos. We'll let Sean go on a rant on that uh, in a few minutes or so. And we'll probably go, watch Sean, the an hour? Two guys, with
0: the, the two guys for the past year and a half, I've been saying, or two years, they've, I've been saying, get them signed. Gerald Harris, Ivanov. Obviously, it didn't work out for Gerald Harris. He took yep. a fight on two days' notice against an undefeated guy. We'll talk about that briefly. But, guys, this show brought to you by FightfulSelect.com. Just head over there. Check it out. I don't have time to run through all the perks we have over there. I just uh, posted a WWF SummerSlam 2000 retro review. I'm likely going to add some MMA content uh, soon as well. Just got to gauge how many hours in the week that I have at any given time. We got plenty to talk about. Let's go ahead and talk Bellator. Fedor Emelianenko winning that fight. Coming back, got cracked by Frank Mir. But then knocked Frank Mir out this fight. Over a decade in the making, essentially top dogs elsewhere, but just never in the same place at the same time. What would you think of it?
2: I it was it went pretty much as I expected. As I as I said last week, um, Frank Mir's chin. Although he's had some time off, you would figure that would be some recuperation time. But uh, if he gets tagged by Fedor. It's going to be lights out. And I'm not saying that because it's a heavyweight fight. I'm saying Frank Mir, once he gets tagged, go look at a lot of his fights. Once he gets tagged, he kind of freezes. Uh, he needs to get that fight down on the ground, and I was hoping that fight would have been on the ground, specifically Frank Mir in uh, on his back, Fedor in his guard, uh, and just to see exactly how Frank would deal uh, with that ground and pound. That Fedor—I mean, I know it's legendary back in the day in Pride, but it'd be interesting to see how these two guys that you know they're in the twilight of their careers handle one another. We didn't get that chance to see that because Fedor. You know, popped him with I think it was was it a, a right, and then Frank dipped his head, yeah. and then Fader came in underneath with the left, dropped him, and then did what Dan Henderson did to him wow. underneath the armpit, under the armpit. One of the best things it was it was actually Jordan Breen uh, that brought it to my attention a long, long time ago, and he's one of the guys that originally said, "Why don't fighters when they get the back or the or the turtle, uh, or at least the quarter turtle?" punch underneath the armpits, not over top, yeah. punch underneath. And we saw Henderson do it uh, to Fedor, and now Fedor did it to Frank Mir, and it was, you know, game over. Lights out for Frank. And Fedor moves on. Chael Sonnen immediately went into
0: promoter mode, <laughs> called Fedor a curtain well. jerker. That's that's <laughs> Chael Sonnen being as good as he is, man. Like, no matter how many times he's lost, he acts like he doesn't, and he talks people into the arena and talks people in front of their television sets. And I'm strangely excited to see Fedor Emelianenko and Chael Sonnen fight. It is an absolute. I'm very excited to see it. It's it's a car crash. It is a sideshow, and it is
2: one that I will gladly watch. I mean, Chael Sonnen has the opportunity to defeat you know a legend in Fedor and a guy that he's talked trash about forever, forever. So. He gets that opportunity. I mean, this is a guy that's been in there with the likes of, uh, you know, Vanderley Silva, John Jones, and now Fedor. I mean, I think he's the only one that's ever going to get that opportunity.
0: I mean, right? look so at, look at his run since 2017. I mean, he's fought. Tito lost to him. Vanderlei, Quentin Rampage Jackson. Now he's going against – he's basically going on a pride wrecking tour over the last year. Right. He's got to jump yeah. on that. He's got to say – Well, the reason I never went to Pride is because they they house these jabronis that I keep beating. Go completely against Pride, because you can really exploit the emotions of those Japanese MMA fans. You really, really can, because they're fiercely loyal. So I I would imagine Chael Sonnen would jump on that. Of course, we have several interviews with Chael Sonnen up at Fightful.com, including he was in the first season of Wikipedia Fact Check, so that's worth checking out. Let me ask you a question.
2: Okay. Sorry, finish off. Finish no, off um, your promo. Uh, what were your thoughts on Fedor's translator? I always question anybody
0: associated with Fedor based on the way that he's been handled over his entire career. So
2: I always have some issues and questions surrounding those. Why? What? What? what's I, I bring to it up. I, I I bring it up because you know I'm someone that speaks uh, a few different languages. Um, and I take translation somewhat seriously because if you're going to translate for somebody, you got to make it as not only accurate as possible, which is technically your job, but pay attention. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it was just like, you have one job, SRS. You have one job. Yeah. You can't do that job. What are you there for? You know, and I'm I'm watching her and I'm like. Like, come on, you're asking and Big John answer asked one question and said it so slowly and clearly <laughs> and you asked him to repeat it. Like, God love the woman. She I'm sure she's the biggest sweetheart ever. But for God's sake, you have one job. Don't tell me you can't hear it. Like just you're looking you're you're a meter away from the guy. Yeah. Like it just drives me nuts. And then I've also seen some other, you know, cats in the UFC that have done translation, and I'm like well, that's a load of BS because that's not exactly what the question was, and nor was that the answer that was given. Oh, yeah. All the time. Right? So kind of drives me nuts. I guess that's one of my pet peeves in, in mixed martial arts when there's poor translation both to and from. So anyway, I wanted to get your thoughts. I thought if you would react to yeah, that at all. Yeah, because- man. We God. used to see that out of Ed Soros
0: all the time. Like he would, he would deflect more than anything, but I think he knew what he was doing. Also on Bellator, Emmanuel Sanchez, after being a perpetual decision machine, got his second straight – Submission win. Got an arm triangle choke from the back position over Sam Cecilia. That ain't easy. Eric Wisely, a UFC veteran, picked up a submission win. Neiman Gracie submitted Javier Torres. But the two that I really want to talk about, Gerald Harris gets tapped out in about a minute 11 by Rafael Lovato Jr., who is 34 years old, looks all of 74 years old in the face. Uh, (laughs) Gerald Harris fought 18 pounds over what he likes to fight at. This poor guy cannot get a fight at his own weight class for anything. I know that the uh, PFL had some interest in him recently. And he passed on that. He initially passed on Bellator and then said, you know what, let me do it. I hope that Bellator does the right thing and gives him another fight at 170. Because he deserves it. And uh, Lovato, no matter what kind of shape a Gerald Harris shows up in, that's a pretty good win. And now, back to back to back, Mike Rhodes... Chris Honeycut, Gerald Harris. So much respect to the uh, Cincinnati-born Rafael Lovato Jr. But I, I want to say it's good for Lovato. It's good for Bellator because you know they wanted to push Lovato. But Gerald Harris is one that I want to see at least get another opportunity. He's 38 years old. He lost a lot of years off his career. He retired in 2013 when he was just 34 years old and missed three years. Came back, fought three guys that, or two guys that weren't at his weight, one that was, but he's still the slam machine, and I, I want to see, I just want to see him get that shot.
2: Listen, you put it succinctly, he deserves it. Yeah. I think he does. It'd be nice if you know if he can fight a, a welsh weight, that'd be great. You know, but at the same time, um, I don't know where his head was at. I know, I know he was focused on fighting. But, you, I mean, if if I told you last Tuesday on the Holy Smokes podcast, Sean Rossap, that Lovato Jr. was going to submit Gerald Harris, what would you have said to me?
0: Oh, I would have said, yeah, I believe... Well, first I would have said, God damn, Gerald Harris has a fight? Because this all came... <laughs> this all happened after our last show. Um, yeah. A guy that we were excited in seeing fight, John Salter, or at least I was, pulled out and Gerald Harris filled in for him. And I, if you were to tell me that lovato would submit gerald harris i would say yeah i believe that because lovato is that good even though gerald harris has never been submitted before i
2: mean well that's what i'm saying right he's never been submitted
0: before never been submitted before if you would have told me it was in a minute i would have been surprised 71 seconds i would have been surprised but i'm not surprised that harris got submitted by lovato considering he was fighting 18 pounds up what he what he likes to fight at he used to fight at 185 but that was in his his younger years But Lovato's really good, man. Bellator's got some decent prospects. And Lovato's one of them, even though he's 34. Speaking of jiu-jitsu prospects, Dylan Danis got cracked in the face a couple times by Kyle Walker. But that toehold he yanked out. Boy, man. That was as interesting as his hairline. Which starts (laughs) right here. And you're talking about a guy who has a widow's peak. Since I was a baby. Dylan uh, Davis's hairline starts at his eyebrows. What the hell man?
2: Anything uh related to follicles, I should probably keep my mouth shut. Yeah, but, I mean uh <laughs> I just listen you know, who are we? That 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 move there, we used to call it El Cheapo. El Cheapo. Right? Yeah, hold on. Remember you're you're all coming, you all you jujitsu nerds. That, thank you. You you're you're catch wrestling. It's it's a it's a move that if it's there you take it. Where we came from back in the day, we used to call it El Cheapo because, quote-unquote, it was so easy, it doesn't Shit. count. Shit. <laughs> Shit. I used to always go for it, and then I got my, my ass whooped by, by the black belts and the brown belts. But like, you're not doing that move anymore, okay? Well, it's not cool. easy in an MMA
0: sense, I'll tell you that. The only one I've seen in person was one of my teammates, uh, his opponent, and he just did it to show off. His opponent got knocked down, and his opponent was trying to put his feet on the hips of my standing teammate. And he's raining down punches from a standing position. He sees the foot right there, and he goes, oh? Grabs it, does a toe hold, brings it into the chest, cranks. It was nice. I love this submission from Dylan Danis. However, his striking is, Dodie!
2: Yeah, it's, it needs some work. Uh, for those that, that that just missed what Sean said, if you ever try and use that hold, it's very important to put it like he like he said on your chest. Don't do it out here. Do it out here because you can use your you can hold it tight and you can turn over. Yeah. Uh, just just before we get into the the striking of Dylan, uh, have you ever have you ever felt the the ankle pop or the crack? Oh in your, yeah. In your oh arms?
0: hell yeah, man.
2: Yeah. Um I go actually, through a lot of guilt.
0: That's a yeah. stretch. Like <laughs> if uh, I'm having somebody like help me like get adjusted or something. That's a little stretch I'll do. I'll have them put me in that and then push it just to where it pops safely. Not to where it's like tearing ligaments just to loosen up my, my feet, my joints, stuff like that. But you can do it and like kind of push it just a little bit and your, your ankle will pop. Like I said, it'll, it'll crack whatever. But then if you really go, you'll hear the ligaments
2: and stuff. I've, I've, Oh yeah, man. Yeah. So go back to Dylan's striking. Um, I naturally assume, uh, having known about the Straight Blast system, or sorry, Straight Blast Gym system for quite some time, that I, re- I the reason why I liked it back in the day is because it was "quote unquote" reality based yeah. training. Okay, they they they, you know, um, I forgot what the guy's name, Matt something, very tall guy. The guy – one of the founders that really took Straight Blast to the next level. He when I met him uh, in a place called Kitchener in Ontario here. We had a really good conversation. He talked about reality-based training, and, and, and the reason why I liked it so much, he, he said this, Joe. He goes, you can teach somebody how to swim. You can teach them the breaststroke, the backstroke, and blah, 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 but if they don't jump into a pool, yeah, they don't know shit. And With Straight Blast Gym, everybody has to fight or at least spar, even if it's at 75%. You're still getting strikes thrown at you. You're still doing everything we just learned in class. So I really fell in love with that because you'd go to certain gyms and, you know, you'd be taught something striking or blah blah. Okay, everyone, on the mats, jujitsu. Well, yeah. No, we just we just we just did striking. Like, can we not do this? So I kind of really appreciate that system. But then you look at Dylan. I assume that you know the, the guy's grappling is you can't it's really insane. talk about it. So yeah, it's, 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 it's insane. Great. It's ridiculous, right? But you figure training with straight bla- or just a general his striking would be a little bit better coming with with a
0: guy named Conor McGregor, one of the most accurate strikers in the UFC ever. Right. Yeah. Ever. Some people forget that sometimes lost within the celebrity of Conor McGregor. Now I know that he's got the, what a lot of people consider one punch knockout power, but really he, he's shown that primarily against Aldo. A lot of it before was his overwhelming accuracy that would chip away at you because he doesn't have a lot of wasted movement. And I'm I'm ready to see that guy back in the cage again, but still, despite getting cracked a couple times, Dylan Dan is still submitted a guy in a minute and a half with a toe hold in an MMA fight. That is very very impressive and he's going to be 25 later this year, so he's got a lot of time to
2: develop and learn these and things. And that's the other thing. He's still young, plenty of time uh to look at that even though it was only a minute 38, it was 98 seconds. They can look at that and say, "Okay, look. Here's what you did wrong. Here's where your footwork was incorrectly. Here's where you can't yeah. be standing where a guy's about to throw, especially southpaw versus southpaw, which is very difficult to train for. By the way, if you yeah. look, if you, I mean the the, um, the fightnomics book here that we've talked about before, um, southpaw versus southpaw, generally speaking, is a very difficult matchup mm-hmm. because you think it's it's orthodox versus orthodox. You're used to that. There are far more orthodox fighters that you could train with far less." Uh, southpaw fighters you can train with. So when you get two southpaws together, you think it should be easier. It's actually yeah. more difficult.
0: Oh, I, right? I started so, off as a southpaw because I wanted that advantage of learning how to fight against a different, and th- that other people wouldn't have those looks as often. And I mean, eventually I became a little bit more ambidextrous. But man, it can it can really be a benefit. Michael Chandler's already taken aim at Dylan Danis. You know, he's planting that seed and. We had wondered prior, where will Michael Chandler land? He attends on staying with Bellator, so he says. So, uh, fair, I would think. I think he has more value to a Bellator than he does to a UFC. Especially, he, I'm not saying that he's... He just turned 32, so he's not like an old guy or anything. But after, initially, after the Will Brooks fights, it looked like he was cooked. Like, he was gone. Like, he was done at that level of his career, but... As it turns out losing to Will Brooks via split decision and Eddie Alvarez aren't terrible things, but Will Brooks is back on the market. Will Brooks might end up back in Bellator as well. And you know Bellator, even though Michael Chandler has lost two in a row, they can you can headline a spike show with that third fight. Say look where they're at. They're at a career crossroads. Like Will Brooks is not doing too high. Michael Chandler's on top of his game. He wants to run this back. I think uh, Michael Chandler is keeping his options open. 155, 170, Dylan Danis, uh, Brent Primus, then uh, Will Brooks, too. I, I, like, I like what he's doing. He's very smart, and I just love watching Michael Chandler fight. Also, a future guest of Wikipedia fact check. You all will be able to <laughs> see those early access on FightfulSelect.com. Also, our boy Gerald Harris was on there, too. But I also want to talk about this uh, the month of May that Bellator has before we go into our first pros pick. We you know, we didn't have a lot of high profile Bellator shows recently. Chandler Gertz, that that fell out of what it was supposed to be. You had Ben Henderson, Roger Huerta, uh, okay. Before that it was the Monster Energy series. Before that it was Caldwell and Higo, and that, that fight was fine, but I mean it was it was so short. Before that, it's really been since like February, since a lot of people were talking about a Bellator show. Since Mitrione, Nelson, uh, Patrici Campos, Heather Hardy uh, fighting. But man, it's just, with all the names they have, we've said this before and before and before. There's no reason they can't put four real good fights on a show or interesting fights on a show. And we're seeing that, but this Bellator show on May 12th has the potential of being one of the most boring MMA cards (laughs) of all time it does look at it ryan bader and king Mo could be the most boring john fitch paul daly that could be yeah if if fitch
2: controls the fight we have the potential of a boring fight
0: any czech congo fight stands a chance of being the new most boring heavyweight fight of all time stands a chance Uh, so so (laughs) from those last three oh it it could be rough However, they do have Krokop, Cop, Roy Nelson at the end of the month at, at Wembley. They have Carvalho. Hey, don't forget,
2: hey, Aaron Pico's on the card there, eh? Aaron Pico is nope. on the card.
0: You have Carvalho yeah. versus Musashi. You have Michael Page and David Rickles. That is a big question mark for Michael Page. Phil Davis, Linton Vassell, that's a pretty good show. Also on the prelims, uh, Yankova against Kate Jackson. That's surprising yep. to me that that is on the prelims instead of uh, – I, I know Aaron Chalmers, a lot of people, you know, he, he's known out there, but – I'm surprised that Yankova and Jackson is on the prelims, but a decent decent month for Bellator coming up.
2: Yeah, be some fun fights there, but I, I'm I am intrigued by the uh, John Fitch Paul Daley fight. Yeah, only too. because it's old school. It's you know, it's it's not really relevant to much in the welterweight division per se. But you know, the guy that wins that fight will will raise some eyebrows in Bellator's welterweight division. No ifs, ands, or buts. I mean, what are you making of this Ben Askren uh, scenario that he wants to come back to Bellator? Uh, Coker, eh? Nah. And then people are saying, "Well, we want to see Askren versus Roy McDonald." Okay, I would love to see it, but
0: I would, I would love, I would love to see Ben Askren back. Uh, but Scott Coker, he's not interested in a one-off, and I, I wouldn't be either, because to be honest with you, all due respect to Ben Askren and his abilities, what good is he for a one-off? How many eyeballs is he going to draw? Not many. Not many. Unfortunately, nope. the guy's what sixteen and 18 and zero, with one no contest.
2: <laughs> Stone Osborne just said Paul Semtex is going to cost check Fitch for laying on him for fifteen minutes. Good possibility. It's a good possibility, a good possibility <laughs> you know that that's the most exciting
0: thing to happen on that show.
2: Oh, is Paul Stone, Daly's you're temper killing me. What do you that's think awesome. Paul
0: Daly thinks of? Conor McGregor's happenings and the fact that he's now banned from the UFC for life for throwing a punch after the bell. Disgusting tactic, sure, but.
2: mm, Uh, I think anybody out there that looks at the – if you're a fighter on any organization, specifically the UFC, and you see that what Conor McGregor gets away with never gets penalized, you're you're probably going to be pissed. But you're also not bringing in the multi millions of dollars and eyeballs uh, to the actual event like Conor does. So it sucks in real life. It sucks in general. But it's a reality, man. This is not a a ethical sport. It's not an ethical promotion. It's not an ethical way of doing business. It is business, and business comes first. Uh, unless something really crazy happens, like I know throwing a dolly through a, a bus with UFC fighters is crazy but not crazy enough for the ufc
0: Vinny fernandez says why isn't me banned for throwing punches after the bell well in a way you could say that she is because she may never fight again yeah how long has it been since she fought my god was that her
2: last fight yeah. with uh um, home it
0: home. was wasn't it
2: so yeah
0: she hasn't fought since february 2011 or 2007 it feels like february 2011 Jesus Weezus. Also, we didn't get to talk about this, and we'll go into this before our first pros pick. Tough announced. Heavyweights, Mm -hmm. women's featherweight. This tells me, from an outside perspective, we're winding it up. We're wrapping it up. This is going to be about it. Because, and as I've mentioned to you, I love when they add gimmicks to it. Title shots, champions. uh, Undefeated. Undefeated's, undefeateds, uh, the comebacks, they, they've they done a good job of that. I do fil- I record it, watch the fights. I like that they do that. Now, the, the viewers might not know, but you and I, being around this as long as we have and seeing the formula they go through, we know that if they're dipping into the heavyweight and women's featherweight well, there's a reason for it because typically they're like, well, we don't really need tough for this. We'll just take what we can get. Yeah. They're they're looking to develop somebody, and they're probably honestly looking to form a division out of the women's featherweights. And we've heard rumors that maybe additional divisions are coming with 165 and maybe developing 145. My question is do they have enough women in the world that have three fights, are women's featherweights, and have winning records to fill out a tournament? Because those rankings are stanky.
2: I don't think they do. I think it's going to be a bunch of bantamweights on that show, or like, it's just you know bantamweights that don't really have to cut weight to compete on the show. Rosie right?
0: Sexton's going to come out of retirement and fight at one forty-five instead of like one fifteen.
2: Yeah. So I mean, if uh, if you're Donald a woman out Rosie. there and you're competing, There's a huge opportunity for you because they, they at the very least uh, they want to fill out that top ten. Uh, they want to get at least four good fighters in that division to come in a featherweight uh as for the heavyweight portion we're already seeing that changeover right we're seeing that changing of the guard uh with some of the fighters that are on the ufc roster right now but that'll be some good new blood if they can get some stars out of that guys that can you know wreak havoc do some trash talking win some fights come into the big show why not
0: i used to think that heavyweight would have the benefit of light heavyweights moving up as they got older because heavyweight skews older but we're seeing that light heavyweight too where a Shogun Hua is a couple fights away, or maybe one win away from a title shot. If he beats Ozdemir, he's probably got a title shot. Oh, yeah. But you look at women's featherweight, and it's rough. I'm going by Fight Matrix's rankings right here. Cyborg, number one. Drain Duranami, number two. She shouldn't even be there. Bud's and Bellator. Holm seems like she's open to being a full-fledged featherweight now. She's fighting Megan Anderson. You have Cindy Dandois. Cindy Dandois will probably be on that season. Uh, Gabrielle Holloway is in Bellator. Uh, Blinkow, Bellator. You have uh, Zara Dos Santos. She's probably going to be on tough, I would imagine. Uh, Katharina Lehner, she'll probably be on tough. There are some okay ones. Larissa Pacheco could probably come back to the UFC. She's fighting at at featherweight now. I would say Josette Cotton, but that woman has never made weight in a fight ever and ever ever do you remember her the pogo woman from bellator yep. yeah so th- there are a couple women um gosh who is did she fight on ryzen miura japanese woman i feel like she i can't remember but yeah, you know that sounds familiar you can th- there are a couple couple options but you got ryzen coming up this weekend actually <laughs> Tell us we about got the,
2: that. We got the email overnight um, from the Talent Relations, uh, Frank and I. Frank Trigg and I got the email overnight um, of basically our our schedule. Um, and it ain't much of a schedule. I really? can tell you that right now because uh, – yeah, just because of the circumstances. I mean – but if you read the email, you know the tone. Um, the, the party's name is Shingo. He's just an amazing human being. I, I had I have breakfast. Or as many meals as possible with him, or Frank and I do, just because you learn so much about the Japanese. Culture, yeah. the, th- the way they think and the thought patterns, it's it's magical. But he sent us the email and we basically took a look and, and we're like, oh my goodness, because we leave Friday. So I leave Friday and Frank does. We both leave Friday. We land Saturday obviously because of the time zone change and you know, you're going into the future. Yeah. We literally land. We get to the airport. We're shuttled to the hotel just in time to check in and go to sleep to wake up, be downstairs for 12.30 p.m., get – Driven, uh, uh, we'll take a cab over to the studio Do the show live How much sleep will you have Between landing and doing the show? Well technically I should get a full night's sleep That's good But my, the body clock will be completely the opposite, right? Yeah So I'd, I'd be sleeping right now This is my nighttime Because right now in Japan it's 4.29am sure. In Tokyo it's 4.29am So you sleep, wake up, go do the show Turn around, back to the hotel Go to sleep, check out, mm-hmm. back to the airport I'll be home by... Monday so as I said last week uh to everyone that tuned in everybody in the live chat by the way, live chat's on fire today it is uh uh, but like I told everybody good luck trying to get more than five words out of a sentence for me next (laughs) Tuesday. yeah I wondered because I know that sometimes you flew out a little bit
0: earlier but uh that show's got some interesting fights Horiguchi McCall I'm all in on can't wait for that fight you have Diego Nunez on the show, Darren Crookshank on the show, former Invicta champion Ayata or Ayaka Hamasaki against Alyssa Garcia, who I believe is a I believe is a Josh Barnett uh, product. Yep. So yep. Um, very like I can't wait for Horaguchi McCall. I'm here for it. But next weekend you got Gaslam and Souza. Let's hear what the pros are thinking about that one. Kevin
3: Gaslam's been on a
0: roll, man. I'm telling you, he's been going through the one, the 185 division. His last
3: loss, I think, was Chris Weidman. Um, but, man, Jacare Souza just came off of a fight. I was actually at the fight beating Derek Brunson with a, with a knockout, a head kick. It was awesome. Um, I'm going to go with my man, Kevin Gaslam. You know, I'm going to give it with the, the, the smaller 185-er. I'm going to go for him.
4: I'm going with Gaslam. You know, he might be giving up a little bit of size there, and I'm not crazy about, you know, going to the uh, to the ground with Jacare. But, I mean, Gaslam, he's just a man. I think he's... I think he uh, he he's one of those dudes. He's gonna be the uncrowned champ in a while. You know, you see him and him and Whitaker go at it. I can't wait for that
3: one. That's a tough one because Kelvin is one of those guys. Like everybody, nobody expects him to do this, do that, and then he comes out and like I feel like proves them wrong. You know, he's he's this smaller 85er and uh, from a wrestling background, but knocks guys out. So. You know, he, he's really interesting. Um, Jacare on the other end, like, he, he, like, everybody thought, like, oh, is Jacare, you know, too old, this, that, whatever. And he comes out and knocks Brunson out again and, you know, like, showed some new tricks, I feel like, um, to his game. Uh, I think the big difference will be the size again. And I think that was apparent in the Weidman fight. You know, Weidman was way bigger than Kelvin. So I think if Kelvin can keep this fight on the feet, I think Kelvin can outstrike him, maybe even put him away. Who knows? But uh, I think ultimately, if Jacare does get him down, then it'll be Jacare's fight. Jacare is awesome and he's got that power. But, you know, Kelvin's an awesome grappler himself. And, you know, he's got more of the MMA style jujitsu, which kind of is, you know, kryptonite to a lot of these straight jujitsu players who don't like getting punched in the face or, are still getting used to punching the face while trying to shop for submission. So, you know, I think Kelvin Calvin striking is a little bit more explosive, a little bit more accurate. So I honestly have Kelvin winning this one.
4: Man, definitely Jacare. Jacare, I think it's just a good game for him, you know. And um, Calvin being smaller, you know, being shorter, I think Jacare is just going to put so much power on everything. And I feel like he's going to catch him sooner or later. Actually, I heard about that. I just forgot about it. Uh, uh, yeah. Doesn't bother me. Actually, uh, I just want to see a good fight. I think Gaslam looks better at middleweight. I look forward to facing him because of his uh, his stand-up. I want to see where it's at. Well, I know he's gonna try and wrestle, and he can see where my wrestling's at. But um, I don't know. Jacare, he looked good in his last fight as well. He's very stiff though. Works for him, but. Mm.
0: We saw Ray Borg there. Uh, I just wanted to wish him well. He has had a rough month between the McGregor incident and his son requiring surgery. Definitely sending our well wishes to Ray Borg. He's a tough time. I had to pull out of another fight uh, because of everything. So hope everything gets better for him. Also, this week it was announced that Art Davy is in the UFC Hall of Fame in the contributor wing. What do you think of that?
2: Yeah. Why not? I love that right? they've he,
0: added contributor wings and yeah. fight wings. Like it's it's a more comprehensive approach.
2: He's a character, man. I had the chance to interview him when the when the book first came out. Uh the book is called Is This Legal? Uh you can get it in various formats. It's a really good book, but just the conversations and he he's such a cool cat because After the interview, he says, You know, what are you guys doing right now? He goes, Why don't we go grab a drink and, and chat some more? Okay. Right. And it was just one of those things where he's such a, just a, 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 he's down to earth in one way, Sean. And then the next moment, he's just, he becomes Art Davey again. Right. And, but he's just got this visionary mentality. And, you know, that risk that they took back in the day, you know, to get Semaphore Entertainment Group on board to do it, it was something huge. So, um, I got all the time in the world for him. Great guy, fantastic, and definitely, definitely, definitely deserving. I would agree.
0: I mean, you know, I wasn't I wasn't covering MMA back then, but I, I do know I'm well aware of Art Davies' contributions. I'm well aware of Charles Bennett and Colby Covington's contributions as well. Like, Colby Covington just looks for stuff to do just how can he be a douche even more like a lot of people say oh live the gimmick no it's not a gimmick he's a dickhead that's it one that we have an interview with over at fightful.com and you all should go check out keyword search colby covington what did you think of that at cam soda no less of course colby covington's at cam soda and of course charles bennett is fighting on cam soda
2: yeah Yeah. Uh, It it gets to the point for me when I I take a look at, like you said, Colby's just an interesting guy as is. Like I mean, come on, dude. It's just you got to stop. But eventually you're going to run into people that aren't going to take your shit, you know. And I've, I've seen it firsthand with Vanderlei and Charles Bennett right in front of my eyes on numerous occasions. They don't mess around. Charles Bennett's not going to back down from anyone. If he ain't going to back down from Vanderlei Silva and cause havoc with Vanderlei Silva, he sure as hell is not going to back down from Colby Covington. And it's just Colby Covington continues to find himself in situations where, you know, a dude had a boomerang thrown at him. You know, like people are not going to take your crap. And, you know, you, if, if you're cool with stirring the pot, Sean, and ready to defend yourself or ready to just, you know, have cameras rolling on you 24-7. Hey, man, all the power to you. But, man, that guy's always in the middle of something. Always. despicables
0: despicable as I find his acts, UFC needs people like him really bad because I made the little pun today that Nate Diaz is the positive buzz that they need, but <laughs> Colby Cup, they, they really need it. Because I, I asked my wife the other day, because I, I kind of explained to her, things are a little bit down in MMA mm-hmm. right now. I mean, they're about to get a huge rights fee increase, but – The buzz in MMA, and I can tell you from a guy who sees web traffic, I see interest. I I beg people to go over there and leave comments for predictions on our live coverages. The interest just isn't with MMA right now. And I had my wife say, or I said, who do you think of when you think MMA? And she goes, Ronda Rousey. And I said, well, she's in WWE. And she goes, Conor McGregor. And I said, "He's, he's heaving furniture at people. And then she said, well, GSP. Well, he's got colitis right now. John Jones, where's he at? I don't know. And then I thought she was going to go to Cormier. She went right to Anderson Silva. And I said, well, he ain't around either. So you need somebody. I mean, I I thought about this a few weeks ago, and I think I may have told you. Right now, Daniel Cormier is the biggest star that they have in my estimation. Like, I think he's the biggest star in the UFC that is actively fighting. And uh, the thing is, he has put a definitive end on his career within ten months. However, I, I think that's gonna change. I think that he I think that he fights Steve Miochik. If he beats Miochik, I think he's gonna fight Brock Lesnar. I think that he's gonna fight John Jones again. I think he fights John Jones again just to do it. Because if it's there, why not do it? But UFC needs guys like Colby Covington who will. Make noise when they're not fighting. They'll make noise. That was that was almost an issue that you and I brought up about Darren Teal. He had all this buzz after Jesus. beating after beating a guy who had like three straight losses. He had a ton of buzz, but then it was ghost town for for what six months. It was it felt like a ghost town. Darren Teal, nothing, nothing.
2: Remove so in in, in talking to the misses, you got her thoughts, and obviously the missus is a. Mainstream, quote unquote, mainstream fan, uh, despite being married, you know, just just like my wife, married to someone in the in the mixed martial arts media or someone involved in the sport, you know, their gauge is different than our gauge. And I've said it a million times. You've heard the two the two words I always put together: MMA bubble. We live in an MMA bubble, bubble, yeah. and we talk about it twenty four seven. It's what we do. It's what we live. It's what we read. Uh, to them, it's not a priority. So you, you take a look at the, I, I I mean. I had a meeting today downtown. I was telling uh, Sean off air, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, I drove by Jimmy Van's office. I literally honked my horn. That's what I do. But uh, I wanted to stop in to see see Jimmy. But if I stopped in there, I wouldn't have been able to make it in time for the show. Um, So that decision was quick. Come home quickly and then get back onto the show. But, I was out in a in a public establishment, uh, had a really good meeting, and I bet you if I walked around, the people that were talking to me, um, you know, you know what's going on, blah blah blah. But if I returned the favor uh, and not taking away time from the the party that I was meeting with, I would, I could, you know, who's your favorite fighter? What do you want to know? And the questions are always the same: George Saint Pierre, Brock Lesnar, Anderson Silva, maybe John Jones, eh, and Ronda Rousey. So there's the mainstream mentality, which is where the UFC makes. The majority of their money because the hardcore UFC fans are going to order the shows, watch the TV shows, order the pay-per-views. Uh, they'll be available in the bars. But there is no real – in Canada, there is no real mainstream star to speak of competing in the UFC. Conor McGregor is not competing. George St. Pierre is injured. Uh, Or he's on the sidelines. It ain't going to be happening anytime soon. You mentioned Daniel Cormier Uh, in Canada. uh, Outside of the MMA bubble, if I said DC or Daniel Cormier, I can assure you that not many people would know who he is. So I ask you in in the United States of America, uh, obviously with Fox – no, not Fox, excuse me, uh, UFC Tonight airing uh, on obviously a mainstream station. Daniel Cormier's popularity, and I asked the live chat as well, what is – his popularity amongst the mainstream fan. Is it big?
0: It's about three hundred and fifty to 400,000 pay-per-view buys is what it is. For just him, maybe. Mm-hmm. With Miochik, I think they'll do a good number. Well, a good number. Five to 600,000, I think they'll get out of that. But
2: Miocic is another example, Sean. He's the heavyweight champion of the world. Uh- Coming off a fight that I would say... of those within the MMA bubble had basically said it ain't going to happen. He's going to lose. Statistically, he's the greatest heavyweight in UFC history. Right? Statistically. Why isn't he arguably the most popular fighter on the UFC roster? He's the heavyweight champion of the world. Imagine if I told you a guy beat Mark
0: Hunt, Andre Arlovsky, Verdum, Overeem, Dos Santos, and Nganu back-to-back. Casuals don't know who he is. Now, he is a celeb in Cleveland. He is a big deal in Cleveland. Good for him. Good for him. That's the issue we face. Also an issue being faced. Ronda Rousey said in an interview that she doesn't do a lot of interviews because her speaking is a gift. Now, I get what she means. She was the darling of MMA media for a long time. And then it became fashionable to rail against her. Now, I'm sure that she, she she doesn't handle loss very well. But... You see the slant like that even some of her WWE vignettes and promos do? Like she had a had a segment in there that said where she said, after my losses, I felt like I wanted to die. And boy, what was the that was the MMA headline picked up. That was it. Wasn't necessarily the one in pro wrestling as much. She's pretty well beloved in pro wrestling right now. There's that honeymoon phase. Who knows if that will eventually go away? But the difference is, the UFC sets you up to talk to MMA media. WWE doesn't set you up to talk with wrestling media. You're talking to like NBC and ABC and Good Morning America. Shit like that with WWE. I see what she means. And I feel like the headlines that came of it reinforced her point to a degree. Because that was the one thing they took from that interview. The one thing.
2: However, that being said, it came off very poorly. She has a valid point in what she says because it's no different than Sean Ross Sapp or me. I'll say Showdown Joe, third person. You post something on social media, right? You post something on social media and then if you have your notification set – On your phone or whatever, you'll see that like, 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 comment, comment, like, comment, favorited, blah, 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 okay? When Rhonda Rousey does that, if she even dares to have her notifications on, it would drain her battery. Yeah. It would just keep going and going and going and going and going and going. So she doesn't even use Twitter anymore. Yeah. So the mentality is when she says, when I speak, it's a gift. Well, it's a gift to everybody in the MMA world, WWE world, and the mainstream world because people will pick it up. They want that. That's content. That's content for Fightful MMA. It's content it for Fightful Wrestling, Fightful Online. It's content for every site, even for uh, ABC, NBC, CBC, CBS, Sportsnet, whatever. The it's the reason we do Fightful. It's for crossover stuff. Yeah. So she does have a point. Now, uh, is, is it – coming from a place of arrogance? Is it coming from, hey, you know what, I'm she's conceited? Nah, I, I I think she's bang on. And I've had this conversation with her before. You know, I had it with Misha Tate when they were both with Strikeforce. You know, I had it after when, when Rondo was the champ. Just the power of media. And whenever we used to get her via satellite on Sportsnet, you just knew when she was doing the car wash because of the satellite at the time, Sean, was your Sportsnets, your Fox, your ESPNs, your TSNs, uh, the mainstream stations. Yeah. And she knew that, you know, whatever she says to one, she may have to change it for the next one. But what, as soon as she's done and that earpiece comes off, Sean, and that makeup comes off her face, instant social media just going crazy for the next yeah. 24 to 48 hours. Right. So when you start looking at it from that mentality and you realize anything you say is going to get printed or blown up, I see what she's saying.
0: Yeah, I do too. Mirab Dvalishvili, Dvalishvili rather, lost his appeal and it's rough. Uh, James Lynch spoke to Brian Kelleher about it and, you know, Brian Kelleher trained with Dvalishvili ahead of the fight, but said even he said, man, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. The fight was over. I think the doctors made it look worse than it was because they told him to lay down even though he was moving. I think it's rough, man, and already his appeal lost.
2: how often do you see appeals actually never like, right Never,
0: almost never nico montano versus shevchenko kind of confirmed for july apparently nico montano hasn't committed yet uh ariel hawani of mma fighting said that ufc is losing patience with her she then called hawani like a waste of a human or something like that and said that She had adenoids removed, and UFC knew about it and was working with her. But that fight's going to happen. Montana Shevchenko is going to happen.
2: Yes. Uh, And just to clarify uh, on the live chat, Likimate says, I predict Showdown Jr. will become a BGJ champ. Oh, I thought you said Showdown Joe will become a BGJ champ. (laughs) I was going to say, that ain't going to happen. Showdown Jr.? (laughs)
0: It's a possibility.
2: It's a possibility. If he does, I mean, he just, if I tell you guys the stories that I got to deal with every day, he went to school, Sean, I should have told you this off the air. I'll tell you on the air. So, oh, I don't have it here. Uh, If you, if you bear with me, can you talk for 30 seconds while I grab it for you? Sure. Go ahead. So Showdown Joe is going to go track
0: down surely a story or a tool related to a story of Showdown Junior beating the living shit. Out of another child. We have heard these stories in the past. uh, Relatively regularly, it seems like. Between his own kid wrestling him to soccer kicking other kids in the face. I'm sure his kid is an eye gouger, too. You think his kid fights dirty?
2: Because I do. Oh, snap. So, we're in Mexico. And we're in Mexico. And all of a sudden, I see this thing in Mexico. And I'm like, trying me police. I'm I'm yeah. I'm buying it, I'm buying it. Can give me one second here. Phenomenal. So, my son absolutely loves this thing. Whenever the Toronto Maple Leafs it's are playing, incredible. It's 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 amazing. One thing I forgot to tell him. I completely forgot to tell him. He decided during the Leafs' last playoff game, it was huge at the school. Everybody was asked to wear their Toronto Maple Leafs jerseys. Game seven, um, Boston Bruins, blah blah. Wear your Leafs jerseys. He says, "Dad, uh, can I bring your your, your your the Maple Leaf mask?" I said, Absolutely, you can bring it. Sure. I said, "Just be careful with it. You know, it's it's a you know we want to make sure we keep it clean and you know don't be having other people wear it. Just take care of it. No problem." I forgot to tell him it's a wrestling mask. It's a lucha libre. Yeah. Lutador mask. I, I didn't tell him that. So he brings it to school, puts it on, and then all the older kids are like, oh, dude, that's the coolest wrestling mask ever. And he's like, what do you mean, wrestling mask? And remember, I, I introduced them to professional wrestling yeah. about a month ago, right? Well, doesn't he get challenged on the playground? Oh, they asked, no. put the mask on, and he got challenged by all kinds of people. Well, within not even, apparently, five, 10 minutes, he's in the office. Ah. Uh... Kids are bruised. <laughs> one kid had a bloody nose. <laughs> what was the other one? Uh, kid's leg was hurt. He got kicked in the leg, so he's doing full on Muay Thai MMA with these kids that are challenging him. Kids, and Canadian
0: get, Roman Reigns, he, he overcame the get,
2: odds. You get a letter sent home um, explaining how we, you know, Thomas has to make better decisions. <laughs> he can't be wrestling and putting his hands on other kids. You know, the wrestling mask. And I was like, ah, kind of dad's fault. So I put understood. My apologies. And speaking I signed it. Uh, speaking of it you back. dirty Canadians, Oh boy, Aldo versus Steven set for Calgary. Yeah. That's a good fight. That's a solid fight, man. That's going to say a lot about both fighters. Where is Jose Aldo Jr. right now with his career? Because Lord knows Lil' Heathen is on fire. Yes, he is. Fire. He takes out Jose Aldo Jr. Sean, we have a conversation to be had. Yeah, we do. And that's unbelievable to think, isn't it? Because a couple years ago, he was a
0: punchline, and even immediately following that, he ran into some trouble. But over the past, gosh, really eight or nine months, he beat Melendez, Duho Choi, and Josh Emmett. If he beats Aldo and does it in a fight-of-the-night, performance-of-the-night manner, manner, that says something. Also, apparently, this is the co-main event, not even the main event of the show. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Also, um... Blagoy ivanov in the ufc if anybody has ever watched this show they have heard me mention this guy's name former wsof champion former bellator fighter beat fedor Emelianenko in combat sambo you know i'm gonna love the signing i love the matchup even more for both men for ivanov it's an immediate opportunity to step in and make a name off of dos santos for dos santos It's a fight against uh, – he's only got one win since 2015 rolled over, I think. So why not put him in there with a guy like Ivanov?
2: It's a huge, huge opportunity for Ivanov. Like all the pressures on Junior here. right? And this is not the Junior Dos Santos that was having those back-and-forth wars with Cain Velasquez. Yeah. Right? Like this is a different Junior Dos Santos. He is – he needs to grab his career – and hold on to it and make himself, quote-unquote, relevant. Again, in this heavyweight division that we talked about earlier on, where the tide is turning, the young bucks are starting to come up. You know, Verdum's losing. You know, Miocic is decimating everybody. Um, you know, there's Ngannou's still there. Derek Lewis, they're fighting together now. Like This isn't 24-year-old
0: Junior Dos Santos anymore. Yeah. It's not 26-year-old, however old he was, 27 when he won. He's 34. He only fights once a year. He fought once in... 14, 15, 16, 17, and this will be once in eighteen. And he has alternated wins or losses, wins and losses since being the champion. So, I mean, he's he's gotta get in there, he's gotta be active, and he has to win. And Ivanov is the right test for him, and I think that Dos Santos is the right test for Ivanov because Ivanov is sixteen and one with one no contest. His one loss is to a guy named Alexander Volkov, who happens yep. to be a top 10 UFC heavyweight right now who is 4-0. Get me all the offs. I'm ready for them. Yeah, Next I didn't up is Minikov. Bring Minikov mm-hmm.
2: over too. Surprise, surprise. Look at these guys just giving me every single wrestling name they can possibly imagine. These guys are Joshin on fire. Joshin Thunder
0: Liger is the best one. <laughs> Instead of you know, Joshin Thunder Liger.
2: You guys are killing me. You're guys, come killing on. killing me.
0: Okay, yeah. Somebody already said Canadian Joe instead of Samoa Joe.
2: <laughs> that one was. Zach McDonald, Italian Stallion. That's, too, that's taken. That's taken. That's just, that's Rocky. Um, going back to Calgary for a moment. Yeah. Um, so people had asked me forever, ever since what they called the Calgary debacle when that show went on there. And I said, you know what? You guys had a fantastic show. You had prelims that were ridiculous. And you that that show was a failure before it started, UFC 149, if I'm not mistaken. It was a failure before the UFC was because the injuries and the changes and the blah, 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 blah. The show was actually damn good with the exception of a few fights. Uh, I think Hector Lombard was one of them uh, against Tim Boach, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was another fight that was boring. But they used those two fights as the epitaph. Basically, this is what UFC did to Calgary and blah, blah, blah. And there was so much bad press in the Calgary media afterwards. And the fan base attacked the UFC forever. I'm a firm believer it left such a bad taste in the UFC's mouth, they just didn't want to go back there. I know Dave Shaw in an interview said that you know we've been trying for years, we just haven't able to secure a date. No, I, I respectfully disagree with Dave. He's probably telling the truth, but I disagree because if they really wanted to do a show in Calgary, Sean, they would have did it. Yeah. Okay, but it was such a bad taste in their mouth after what happened, they would have to return there with a stacked show, and they're doing it now. But it's been what four years or so since, or maybe more. So. We'll see how the media there accepts it. We'll see what the fan base says it. But, you know, if – I mean people were like, who cares, who cares, who cares? No, it's not who cares because if I'm – Running the UFC or if I have a say in where the UFC is going to go i don 't want to go back to a market that absolutely ripped apart my product when I did anything and everything possible to save the show with the with the resources that I had available you can 't just call George St. Pierre and Brock Lesnar at the time, and this person that person say, "Hey, I need you on." Four weeks notice, three weeks notice, two weeks notice. I need you next Saturday to step in there and save this show. It doesn't work like that. And the fan base, not all the fan base, the loudest of the fan base, the complainers and the media that are just looking for anything to rip apart the UFC anyways back in the day, we're ripping it. I was on talk shows, uh, radio talk shows and television shows the, the the whole week leading up. And then the day that I was leaving, I was fielding calls from the morning at breakfast, Sean, until we got to the airport with various different radio stations talking about it. I'm like, you guys are out of control, man. I mean, there were some amazing fights on that show. And now that it's finally going back, I wish Calgary the best. I, I think it looks like a fantastic card. Uh, a lot of Canadians are on there. It's going to be good. But, you know… You got to be careful. It's all oh, the UFC was butthurt. Not that they're butthurt. Do you know how many options the UFC has globally to oh, hold events? Yeah. You
0: know? And they want to go to Western Canada? Yeah, I hmm. doubt it.
2: Yeah. So,
0: guys, next week, UFC 224, Pennington Nunez. Let's hear the first half of what the pros think.
1: Raquel has come a long way, but she's coming from an from like two injuries you know she's she's taking a lot of time off i don't think this is a smart time for her to take a title fight but when you get a title shot you're going to take a title shot no matter what so um i think that Nunes is going to win that fight just because raquel's taking so much time off
4: yeah i mean i think amanda uh i mean i think hands down i think she'll be a big favorite going into that one uh and for good reason you know it, that, that's a tall amount of climb especially in brazil trying to get a get over on amanda Nunes. i mean maybe if 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 Amanda plays up to the crowd, you know, kind of comes out with that verdoom style, trying to knock her out, put on a show for the fans. Uh, Raquel's smart. Raquel will will, will get the job done. But in any other world besides that, as long as Amanda don't make no mistakes, she should get it. But I think you said it best. I mean, I think we all looking forward to that her versus Cyborg. I mean, if they can bypass that fight or whatever they want to do, her versus Cyborg is the fight to make. If they can do that one in Brazil, I mean, shit, I might. I might just go down there
1: for that one. Another, another really, really great fight. You know, I fought Raquel years ago, and she was tough back then. And I've only seen her develop exponentially as a fighter. I should really look up to her. Unfortunately, she's had a rough go um, as far as injuries um, are, you know, coming to play. But you always see her just training through the injuries. You know, if her legs hurt, she's training her arms. If her, you know, if her arms are hurt, she's training her legs. And and you know, that's championship mentality. And, you know, Amanda, who knows? Maybe Amanda's, you know, gotten complacent and not training as hard. I don't know, you know, but Amanda is the champion for a reason. Another another toss-up. And uh, if Raquel won, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, it's going to be a good fight. That's all I can say. <laughs> um, it's
3: a very interesting fight, man. I was uh, I was actually, you know, surprised to, to see that come about because you didn't really hear anything about, you know, Amanda being matched up. But, um, you know, Raquel has really, really good boxing. And, um, you know, that's been Amanda's strong suit. Is, um, so I think... That's someone that's going to challenge her. Uh, it's interesting they both they're both from ATT as well too, so pretty sure they've been around each other, maybe trained with each other before. Um, but I mean, right now I, I just I don't see anybody really beating Amanda at, at 135.
1: Um, I was excited actually to see her move up at 45 and fight Cyborg, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick Amanda in that fight. I, I see, I see, there's there's two other fighters that I like to see, but I do think that Amanda going to pull this one off. I honestly see it going to decision. Rocky's a very challenging uh, opponent, and she's difficult to finish. And I don't see it going to the ground. I see it staying standing. Um, but, I mean, in order to be a champ, you really have to beat a champ. So, you know, it's not that I'm not pulling for Rocky, um, obviously, but I, I feel that Amanda might be the stronger fighter for this. And, and I'm happy that she's actually finding a weight, you know, so it's not holding up the division, so to speak. Um, and hopefully they'll now create a division for Chris instead of ha- her having to pull girls from the Bantamweight.
0: Of course, we have the full pros picks over on our YouTube. They, they're they being uh, posted to Fightful.com as well. Just a little heads up, guys. I know some of you just watched the podcast, but go over to FightfulMMA.com. Throughout the next week or so, we're going to have interviews with Wilton Bissell, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Bilal Muhammad, Sajara Eubanks, Kate Jackson, Alexia Linick, Brian Kelleher, Andrea Lee, Jared cannonier just tons of people. We've got a lot of big names lined up for you guys. Really, outside of MMA fighting, there are no websites that have more uh, top 15 Bellator and UFC interviews than FightfulMMA.com. It's just that, you know, for some reason, the UFC won't credential us. They'll use our quotes on their post-pick videos, even though, you know, WWE, Ring of Honor, Bellator, Cage Warriors, Ryzen, uh, Ring of Honor, uh, Impact Wrestling. All these other companies will credential us. It's not really the UFC's like, no, we, we won't credential you. We'll credential people who do one-eighth the traffic of you. It's, it's normal. It sounds completely reasonable, right? They, they won't... Not somebody who has been nominated for a World MMA Award for Journalist of the Year, like Showdown Joe. Why would they need to credential anybody like that? How about James Lynch, one of the best interviewers in the game? Mmm. I don't know. Maybe it's because David Tees covered Cam Soda, and they think that that Cam Soda has a real chance. Did you see the clip of the guy who got tipped? No. Oh, gosh. So a guy won a fight and the announcer in the ring goes You will get a bonus. Also, here is your top tipper username I like big titties.
2: Oh my. <laughs> oh my. That that whole thing kind of uh made me laugh. I wasn't aware of the of the event until it got too close to it. Then I saw Lex McMahon there. <laughs> And I'm like, well, thanks. I don't. Know, could I have called these guys? And say, hey, you guys need a play-by-play guy. And like, <laughs> ah,
0: that's
2: probably not a good look. I'll
0: just be a play guy. I don't yeah. to be a play-by-play guy. I can just go yeah. there and have fun. What the hell? Yeah. Do you think that Colby Covington being there was a part of the? Do you think he got the cam girls for his little videos, social media videos, as a part of a deal where he's like, listen, you hook me up with some cam girls for my videos, and I will do. Your show, I will come there and I will I will make a headline
2: on that show. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. You never know. Fair right? trade. He's yeah. He doesn't come to any uh, Titan shows. Wish he would. It's weird. But uh, at least um, Masvidal shows up. Although some of his teammates, uh, one yeah. of his teammates was Luis Gomez, was the champ until he just lost the title. But uh, at least he showed up and co- with Kamara Usman and those guys kind of looking at each other. But it'd be interesting to see if COVID, if Kobe was to show up with Kamara Usman there. So it'll be interesting.
0: A couple more things I wanted to address before we go. We've got some more information on the Alexis Vila thing. And uh, I have David O'Valley who's sending me a lot of information about this from the Miami Herald. The alleged murder in question was in 2011, before his Bellator. Wow. Run. So before the the Joe Warren fight, oh man, that's... that's Mind-boggling. It's, it's mind-boggling, and it's humbling to think. Now, Joe, I don't mean to get too deep on you here, but, I mean, you've talked to Alexis V a, num- a number of times, correctly? Or correct? At, at length, yeah. I mean, virtually every time you've talked to him, maybe he had may have allegedly killed a man before that.
2: How does yeah. that make you feel? Uh, it's disturbing. Um, I, I, Again, I, I, I'll... I'll, I'll my interactions with him and his team have been nothing but positive. I mean, you can go back and anytime I ever mentioned his name, I would always say these guys are the coolest cats you'll ever see. They dress well. They have a good time. They're smiling. They for, for, for all for argument's sake, they, they presented themselves very well. And now you look back and you're like, oh, my God. Wow. All right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that was that was one of the first things that came up. I was like, man,
0: Joe has talked to this guy, interviewed this guy. I've watched his fights. I adored his fights, man. I thought, I thought, man, if Bantamweight MMA was around in 1997, 1998, we would be talking about Alexis Vila as one of the greats of all time. I really believe that because, God, he got in the game at 36 to 40 or something like that and just was doing great. Also, Kevin Lee appeared on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. A great conversation he had. Uh, Kevin Lee is ahead of the game, very smart, wise beyond his years. But he said that he thinks that Ferguson won't be the same after knee surgery, considering his age and the type of surgery and the division they're in. Kind of, and and, uh, Tony Ferguson's fighting style. I'm inclined to agree with him. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, even though, I mean... It was labeled as a very graphic picture, and, and I'm the guy whose stomach turns the most uh, out of anyone. Uh, I looked at the picture and thought, damn, that's what surgery's kind of looking like. That's what it looks like. That's what happens to the leg. You're cutting it open. Um, I get it, but will he be as mobile? Uh, I, I, pretty much everything Kevin Lee was stating, it, it's, it's not necessarily factual, but there's a high probability that he's right. Right? Like It's just you, you take a look at, you, you, the footwork that Tony has, the way he competes, and then you know to, to the dexterity he needs to do what he does on the ground, you better come back a hundred percent. You better do that rehab the way George did it when George had his ACL uh, surgery done. Because if you don't come back properly, my goodness, you're going to get that injury all over again. And it just goes to show you how how fickle the human body can actually be. These are primed, primed fighters. These are people that train, that put their body through a lot of torture and a lot of pain, but they're conditioned. But it's the small things that can that can cause the stupidest of injuries. I remember one time Oh, 15, 20 years ago, when my back went out, I had a had a problem with my my pelvic joint. Uh, it it went out of whack, and you know the bottom of my of my spinal cord was all messed up. It didn't happen from MMA. It didn't happen from hockey. It didn't happen from soccer. It didn't happen from any training whatsoever. It happened with me having to bend over and pick something up off the floor. Yeah. Bang! Pelvic bone, right? Up, gone. And it was a good year and a half where I was like, "What is going on here?" So. Anyways, it's it, it's crazy, but the, how he's going to come back remains to be seen. I think his priority is not coming back. His priority is rehab. Yeah. His priority is physiotherapy, getting that strength back, getting the mobility back. Um, and and you know, you're you're naturally gifted. You've got the skills. You are a interim champion. You can get back to that, but don't come back too early, man. I know he's I know he's older, but at the sake he, of he, what he trains like a maniac too. He
0: really yeah. does. We always hear no. the jokes about. Him, like, carrying rocks underwater while doing somersaults and backflips and all this crazy stuff. Guys, follow Joe at Showdown Joe. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. As I always say, our MMA section is growing. So I'd appreciate if you all took to Twitter and say, I like this part of the Holy Smokes MMA podcast. I like this about Fightful MMA. Word of mouth really helps us grow. Keeps us from spending obscene amounts of money on media buys. It just helps. And this show, we, we bring you a bunch of guests courtesy of James Lynch. Give him a shout-out as well. Leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe. Leave a comment underneath the video if you're watching after we go live. This podcast is also available on podcast players everywhere. Player FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. All over the place. Guys, follow us at Fightful Online and check out FightfulSelect.com. It's why we're able to bring you this show ad-read free. Thank you all so much. Until next time.